Welcome back to another episode of Life of Brian. Come on, get up. What are you yeah, so I'm down up, about? Mate, we just won a flag, so I'm pretty up and about, as in we, the Collingwood Football Club, because I'm a part of the broader Collingwood community as a as a an, as an engaged fan. Right. We are proudly brought to you by Grimley's, the number one source for construction supplies in Melbourne. Great uh, company, family-owned company, the Grimleys, who do, do just deliver. They just deliver all day, and they've got about 50 vans, and you get it the day you order it. Yep. And Amazing. They're, and they're Brisbane fans, so they didn't really – No, they're not happy. They didn't fire on the weekend. And that's what we're here to talk about. We'll probably not be talking footy, but a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff, what's mm. going on around the edges as well as the game. So you're going to ask me about stuff that is not public that was behind-the-scenes – for grand final week and weekend. Yeah, if you want me to. I yeah, don't know. I you're you're in charge. Oh, you can ask me whatever you want. I'll try and give you an honest answer. The, the game. Quick synopsis of the game in terms of is that one of the better ones you've ever seen? Yeah. I To me, it was all a blur. See, I'm I'm not watching it as a spectator. I'm, I'm in work mode. So for me, it was just one big blur. The thing that stood out to me about the game was how quickly it went. How, you know, I go to a game having a lot of stuff prepared for moments when it's a little bit, you know, down or there's not much happening, I can slip in a piece of information. I couldn't – I had information for Africa, but I couldn't get any of it in because the, particularly in the second half, although less goals were scored and it wasn't a big scoring half, it was so tense and everything that happened meant something. Meant something. Was big. Every smother, every contest, every little tap, knock on – Reach fingertip, it all meant something, and it was, and so it was, tight the it whole was like on a knife edge for the whole of that second half. It is incredible to think that Collingwood were outscored in every quarter of that grand final except the first quarter. Mm. Brisbane won the next three quarters and did not win the game. That yeah. is bizarre. In terms of highlights, what, what do you think was that was the biggest moment or the most important moment of the game and, and things like that, anything like that? that One of the out? most unusual things for the game that helped the result big time. So Frampton has two possessions for the day. He gets selected, a lot of people would say unexpectedly, two possessions for the game. And you go, gee, that's not – but Harris Andrews, his direct opponent, he was basically playing as a backman on the backman. And Harris Andrews had negligible effect on the game. Mm. So how do you, as a supporter, Mark Frampton, then based on that? Well, watching, Did he do a good job or watching not? From the stand, it's different from watching the stands than on TV, but I thought in the last quarter Harris Andrews was doing a really good job and, yeah, and, got Fram away. and Frampton wasn't doing a great job in terms of containing him. So that's sort of what you let, you leave the game thinking, oh, that's what happened late. That's how Frampton played. But, yeah. No, he's, he's, I wouldn't say he was brilliant, but I thought he uh, negated Andrews to a certain yeah. degree. I agree in the last quarter, Andrews got off the, off the chain ever so slightly. Mm. And there were so many great performances all across. I thought Brisbane were great consistency-wise. I thought everyone played a really good game. There yeah, wasn't anyone play. that didn't drop off. But Bobby that, Hill for Collingwood, four goals in the first half, didn't kick a goal in the second half, missed two easy sets shot, big mark. Um, you know what? He was he was Charlie Cameron-like, Yeah, Bobby Hill. Did you notice how quick 
so his quick. movements were. Oh my god! Like I thought that he really steeled himself for this game. He was much more quick by hand and by foot and by reaction than I've ever seen him. He was Charlie Cameron esque with his quickness. It'll come out in the wash. This guy had an unbelievably. Um, how do I say this? He had some personal. Things he had a lot of field. personal yeah. grief during the month of September. Yeah, and to get up and play the game that he did, you know, speaking to Leon Davis about this um, on uh, on Saturday night after they were at the dinner when they were celebrating, and he was telling me a little bit about it, and I never realised any of it. He, it'll come out in the wash that he had a lot of personal grief leading up to this Bobby Hill, which really affected him. So. Under those circumstances, well done to him. That's why they got him at Collingwood. The Heat didn't play a factor. The Heat, no. And we're talking to you and I were talking to Mick Malthouse about mm. this at the RACV Club during the week at a at a at a um, lunch that we were having lunch together, and um, and he said the Heat only plays an effect on a team the following week or the following game, not the game that they're actually playing. It's the it's the next week that dehydration is a, is a factor with athletes of this quality. So. It, it didn't really play any part. I thought the players all coped really well with it. Yeah. And the the crowd and the crowds generally in 2023? Crowds generally in 2023, unbelievable. So 13 crowds in excess of 80,000 yeah. people. How many there? on over, Could, Just over 100,000 on the weekend? Goodness gracious me. Let's not brush over the 13 crowds over mm. 80,000. I know you want to move on quickly. That is amazing. Six of those 13 crowds over 90,000. That is extraordinary. Over 8 million people through the gates, an AFL record. Over 1.2 million members of clubs uh, in Australia. That is unbelievable. When did you become a stats guy? Footy is back, big boy. (laughs) Footy is back and belting the shit out of every other sport at the moment on a national basis. It's flying along. I watched, and I know we're going to talk about the NRL Grand Final at the moment, but it it, it looked like a little toy compared to the uh, uh, compared to the AFL. Yeah, we brushed over this a little bit, but my favourite moment on Saturday was obviously when the siren went. But I was on the second level, must be nice, um, and it was shaking. Like you talk about Grand Finals, and you know there's corporate crowds, but that Collingwood crowd was intense. It was yeah. incredible. Yeah, it seemed to be amazing. See, we don't feel that in the commentary box. We have headphones on. We're hearing the noise through the effects mic, but we don't get a really good feel of yeah. of the noise like you would have as a spectator. Yeah, let me tell you, it felt good. So it, it, it looked awesome, um, the tenseness going to the end. Danaher kicks the last goal of the game and there's still two minutes to go. Mm. Do you defend or attack? You know what? Um, I was speaking to someone at Collingwood yesterday and they were telling me they come to training. This person goes to training and watches a lot of training and he said the amount of training sessions that he went to this year – where he saw Collingwood do a two-minute play a two-minute game. Guys, we're in front. Two minutes to go in the game. We're in front by a point. What do we do? He said they practiced that drill, the two-minute drill they called it, so many times this year in their training sessions. And it comes to fruition in the most important game of the year. How good's that? And Kiss. Successful? Kiss, highly successful, I think. Um, I thought they were great. Absolutely brilliant. I know nothing about music. I don't necessarily like Kiss or music, but I thought from an entertainment point of view, I was glued to the TV monitor 
watching it. it they must was, have been so hot yeah. in those suits and yeah. the shoes and, and there was flamethrowers going off next to them. The incredible yeah. performance. The heat out of the – I was talking to one of the cameramen that was in between all of those field of flames and he said at rehearsal the day before they did it and had all the flames going, he said it was that unbelievably hot as a cameraman wandering around in there. And I see someone mentioned in the paper the other day as well that um, how hot it was in there um, and they didn't realise it would be that hot on grand final, but they had to go with it in the end. Kiss were brilliant. I thought the whole thing was done really, really well. The staging was out of this world. For a daytime event to make that look good and to make it entertaining, I thought was absolutely brilliant. It was worth the money, whatever it was um, that, that that it cost. I thought the halftime stuff... Um, didn't quite do it for me. Yeah, I missed all that. Um, if you're going to sing um, football anthems and sing them the way they're the, the way the originals are, um, would be my message to the man that's pretty good at doing that, and that is Mark Seymour. Yeah, and some just some behind the scenes stuff in terms of your day and how it went, maybe pre-game and stuff. What? Give me a little little update on on, on what went yeah, on. Yeah, really or busy. You missed or really busy in the morning. So I arrive at the ground about ten o'clock. Um, immediately in to get dressed, uh, suit on. Now, normally I would arrive at a game at 12 o'clock, so I'm arriving essentially two hours earlier, um, maybe even a bit earlier because the game start time was was later as well, so maybe two and a half to three hours earlier than what I normally would do, into makeup, get some clothes on, sprint up to the commentary box, arrive in the commentary box at about 1030 um, set up my whole yeah. calling position like I normally would do at about twelve thirty. And you said you said a word about this is all not about this is like this to is the, to the second minute almost. I had a a, a sheet that had my day on it, yeah. and it was five minutes at a time. So every five minutes was accounted for for something, whether it was simply going up the lift, uh, 20 minutes accounted for setting up my commentary position with my notes, making sure it's all in the right spot, marking it up the way that I normally do, knowing all the time that in five minutes I'm about to leave. Outside, Toyota had a big area outside where they were giving away the final two tickets of the grand final. Quickly out to do that. That was a pre-recorded segment that went on seven Later on, on behalf of Toyota and, and to Channel talk 7. about the timelines with this, so it's not live; it's recorded, and they want to edit it. You recorded that, and they had to edit that within eight minutes yeah. for it to be on air. Eight minutes later, like so, we had to do it exactly at that ten fifty a.m. time. You're late because they have literally got seven or eight minutes to get it back to the truck. Someone physically yep. runs it back to the truck. They quickly edit it if it needs editing and to get it on air is, uh, is all turned around in a total of 15 minutes. It's uh, absolutely incredible. As I'm leaving the Toyota thing, uh, have a bit of an argument with a with a guy that says to me, ah, oh, you're barracking for bloody uh, Collingwood or something crap like that. And I and I normally let stuff like that go and I just, I just thought I'd go back and point out the facts and that is, mate, I do 80 games of live football a year. I've been doing this for 35 years. Do you really think I care who wins the game of football? Because I can tell you, mate, I'm long past caring who wins the game of football. I just hope it's a close game. 
And I just told him exactly what I told you just then and let it go at that. But, uh, yeah, he, that, that's did he, a, did he chirp back? Oh, he said, oh, well, don't give us a fair go. I said, mate, I've given you my my reasoning behind the whole thing. Anyway, so that cost me two minutes. <laughs> quickly, um, quickly. Didn't, didn't account for that. And all of this is in a suit. Remember, it's 28 degrees. Mm. The grass is actually dying before my eyes out in the car park I'm doing this. Down to the September Club. Into the September Club, you were with me at this stage. We go into um, Toyota Marquee there as as I'm an ambassador for Toyota. Uh, quickly say hello to a couple of people there, do a little bit of a five-minute roaming. Quickly out of that area into a thing for Channel 7 to interview a, a, one of my idols, Scotty Pippen, yeah. uh, uh, together with Luke Longley in a really strange environment. I thought it would be – I imagined that interview being done in the um, shady area of the trees outside the September Club there somewhere um, in, a, in a really nice sort of green-looking setting. But all of a sudden we're in this dark room mm. um, at the back of the sports can, bet can, marquee. Can I explain where this is? Yeah. So just perspective. So September Club is a very exclusive sort of VIP – um, area outside the MCG, so that's yep. a VIP area. And then within within each within the September Club, there's all these other sponsored VIP areas. All, all of the major sponsors yeah. of the so AFL. So you, you need an accreditation to get into the September Club. Yep. Then you need a wristband to get into the Toyota or the, the Sportsbet tent. Yep. And then within the Sportsbet tent, and they're not just tents; they're lavish. Yeah, they're like full builds. Yeah. There's another section. At the back of it, which is another VIP section. So we're in three VIP sections yeah. within the VIP section. section. Yeah, there's VIP shit going on everywhere. Everyone feels um, good. And they pay big dollars for it. So it's not something you, you – if you're listening and you, you think you're missing out, you're not. You're, you're having a great time in the car park. We'll talk about that in a moment. But so into the back room with one of these VIP sections where I see it's dark. I walk in, I think, shit, where am I going to? The Dunnies? They're, they're escorting me out the back and I've got to do this interview and I've got I've got four minutes mm. for this interview set aside, right? Uh, Channel 7, give me four minutes. So I'm, I, And all of a sudden I wander into this dark room, like a, a sort of a nightclub vibey, a few lights flashing and there's people in there that I couldn't even see who they were because I've come out of broad daylight into this and then sitting in the corner there is very quiet in this room. Scotty Pippen's sitting there and he's sort of uh, there with a – Minder and some other lady, uh, clearly from the US. Uh, Luke Longley standing up in the corner. Um, my cameraman's there, uh, along with our producer um, Frankie. He's, yep. he's 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 off to the side and he's doing the bit. And he's telling me how long I've got. And Frankie's you on know, the stopwatch. Yeah, he's on the stopwatch. Uh, here, Brian, ask this question, ask that question. You know, don't forget this, don't forget that. Um, and so all of a sudden, Scotty Pippen stands up. Luke Longley stands up, and I'm in the middle. And you look like and Scotty Pippen. A is six foot ten, right? He's big. Like I looked at him when he was playing for the Chicago Bulls in amongst those six championships, and thinking he is tall. He's almost a seven footer. He is a big guy. He stands up and dwarfs me, uh, even in his older age. I think he'd be in his fifties now. And then Luke Longley at seven foot two. And I'm having to reach the microphone literally above my shoulder. <laughs> I'm extended to get to him. So I got these two monsters alongside me. Who, by the way, in the off-air part of that interview, couldn't be nicer. Mm. Scotty Pippen got time for you. Got time for what you want to know and what you want to ask him. Happy with anything? There were no. Well, there were a couple of. You know, they they suggested that it was best not to talk about the last dance. Um, which is fair enough. You don't want to get, and also you know Michael Jordan. So so maybe 
rather than suggesting don't talk about it, it was just a bit of a guide. You'll get a better reaction if you talk about these things. Yeah. So so we did that. So that interview went for four minutes out of there and then off to um, one thing I wanted to do on Grand Final Day. So it's now about it's now about 12 o'clock or just before 12 o'clock. Um, what's happening up in the commentary box while I'm down shooting this interview is the is our chairman, Kerry Stokes, the boss of the Seven mm. Network, owner of Seven West Media, is visiting the commentary box. And I'm always I'm always wanting to be there for that. That's a really, That's impo- really, important, really yeah. important part of the day for me to be there for that. Unfortunately, Scotty Pippen couldn't do this interview at any other time and the chairman had things to do as well and he had to visit at a set time as well. So I was really I was really dirty that I missed out on uh, on meeting him, but uh, um, apparently JB, yeah. uh, you know, mentioned that I might be away doing something that I shouldn't be doing, and but I wasn't. Oh, I was, yeah. I, uh, you know, if you'd said look at the screen, I was interviewing him at the time, so couldn't get. So I went uh, to the car park. I wanted to have a look at the car park and get a bit of a feel of the vibe of what the normal public car park looks on grand final day. Haven't been there for a long time, so I walk up and see this group of people there that look pretty good. About. 40 of them on the VB cans, few umbrellas, got their car parked there, a bit of a barbecue going, which, by the way, this wasn't happening in many other. They only let about 500 cars, but I didn't see much of this tailgating that the NFL is famous for, mm. this tailgate party. That would be something really but that was cool a ripper. to introduce if and, they were to do that yeah. on the final day. And I went over there and Strop was there. These are all former Collingwood players. Ricky Barham was there. Brett Grimley from Grimley's was there and – you know, Ronnie. Oh, so you do know them. You well, weren't just going to check out no, the vibe. No, I, I, I saw Ronnie Weirmouth was there, and a whole pa- people, a whole lot of other people I didn't know out of Queensland, etc. Yeah. And and but it did occur to me that we need more of that. Mm. We need more of the tailgate party. We need more room in Yarra Park rather than perhaps the corporate area could be pushed more into a corner or somewhere mm. closer to the ground. We need more cars in the car park so we can have more fun in the car park in the hours leading up. I remember a time, Harrison. Only- are, they, are they worried about drinking and stuff like oh, that or is know. it? Well, they think they're not going to be drunk anyway. 20 years ago, that entire Yarra car park was for cars on grand final day. would have been awesome. So much of it now is gobbled up with the big picture of football. You know, the footy fest, which is the, the footy fest, for the fans which is stuff. for the fans, and that's great. But there is limited car parking, and I, I would like to see a little bit more of that. You know, it's, it's a similar thing inside the ground. More tickets for more fans would be good as well. Yeah. Anything else out of the ordinary from from your day there? Well, have your you perspective? Uh, so then I go up into the commentary box. Bang, we're there, um, and and I get there, and I arrive at the commentary box, and there's no one there. There's no one there. There is everyone. They've all gone. They're all, you know, it's one one o'clock. Um, grand final entertainment's about to start. They're all down on the ground doing the bits and pieces. Everyone is off doing an interview, something somewhere, and I'm just sitting up there pretty lonely by myself for the next half hour thinking, what the hell do I do here? Gather your thoughts a little and, bit. And so I just had a I had a I had a wrap that I made out of carrots, capsicum, and mushrooms <laughs> for uh lunch. That's homemade it. Homemade wrap. Tanya uh, knocked up two of those for me in a plastic takeaway container and I ate those and then the entertainment started and I was I was glued to the screen to watch 
kiss. I really was. And that was that was my pre-grand final day. Ah, uh, yes. Half time in this episode of The Life of Brian. Now, I'd like to give this message. I'd like the opportunity to talk about our great friends at Grimley's, the number one source for fasteners and construction supplies in Melbourne. If you're on a construction site and need product urgently, then you can count on Grimley's Direct. Getting your orders to you on time, every time at speed with our fleet of Grimley's vans and trucks direct from us to you. It's that simple. Grimley's has been in the game for more than 30 years, earning a reputation built on grit, determination, and a focus on delivering the best sourced fasteners and construction supplies with a whatever-it-takes type attitude. Uh, Whether it's a large commercial job, a small domestic little project, hardworking tradies need the right products at the right time. Grimley goes above and beyond to deliver on the details. Grimley's always aims for the best solutions to your products. Go to grimleys.com.au for delivery that you can count on. Nice. And um, the ratings from, from the from the game, from a broadcast perspective? Amazing. 4.98 million people at its peak. What does that mean? That means one in five Australians, Harrison. One in five Australians. And how does that stack up to like a previous or Watch. a comparable? Uh, uh, it was 22%, uh, average 3.7 million, I think. It was 22% up on last year's grand final. Extraordinary growth in the game. You're talking, I mentioned crowds and membership. Well, I can tell you that TV ratings were up as well for this grand final. So you can only imagine, you know, do you know what the greatest, do you know what the AFL hoped for in terms of TV ratings and in terms of which game is on for TV ratings? Have a guess. Which do you think would be the highest rating grand final of all time? If any, if you could put two teams in it, which do you think would be the highest rating TV game? Uh, it's a trick question. I think I would say Collingwood and Carlton, but that's right. not. No, no, we want we want two. We want two teams from do, two different states. Yeah, we do. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So the big hope for ratings, the best outcome for a TV network is say West Coast and Sydney, or yeah. Brisbane and Sydney, or Adelaide and Sydney. Sydney, number one, because of the broad-based population up there. So the the attitude there is everyone in Melbourne is going to watch regardless of who the teams are in it. But as an addition to ratings, you pick up the city of Sydney or you pick up the city of Perth or the city of Brisbane or the city of Adelaide. That is That will be the biggest rating. In fact, I think the biggest rating final of all time involves Sydney... Who did they play once? Was it Brisbane or someone? Bulldogs? Bull- oh, I can't remember. Anyway, so that's, that's- Sydney West Coast, maybe. Yeah. 2000 and Yeah, it might have been Sydney West Coast. Biggest rating grand final of all time. Yeah. Um, that's what they want. That's what they hope uh, actually happens. Any other notes from broadcasting, whether it be from the NRL grand final or the, yes. the, the footy grand I final? I watched the NRL grand final, went home last night, watched the NRL grand final, um, and it was a great game as well. It was incredible. They came well, from- The last 30 minutes was- Penrith from 16 points down to win the game. I sort of started to fall asleep when the Broncos were 16 up. I thought so it's all over. I. And then Nathan Cleary just does Nathan some Cleary. incredible stuff. And then what the thing that I noticed about it was great game, but a little bit boring, but great game. Um, great game. What great was result. the pregame entertainment, by the way? The pregame entertainment was um, someone impersonating Tina Turner. Because so not of, Tina Turner herself. No, well, she's no. passed away, of course, yeah. and, and that's why they did it in recognition of her setting up um, the brilliant stuff that she did for the game over the years. And that was quite good. Yeah, I thought it was done really well. Not as good as ours. So the thing I noticed, 
slightly on a negative. You know how I, I look at things that go wrong rather than go right. Yeah, you, on you're occasion. A, you're a pessimist. I'm a sort of a glass half empty man. Yeah. Um, but what I noticed, Nathan Cleary. Wow, he, he was the Clive Churchill player of the game. Yeah, equivalent to the Norm Smith here. Um, he, by the way, didn't have a great first half, but he had a great second half. Um, I noticed, I noticed how networks or the broadcasters can sometimes get in the way of the emotion. They were trying to get a lot of interviews. Is so here mean? it is. So the Penrith Panthers, the siren hasn't been gone for more than 30 seconds. And the Panthers are celebrating like crazy as you expect them to do. Oh, still hugging. And, and yeah. as you want, still jumping on each other. Still what I would call immediate immediate excitement. Not, not 10 minutes after excitement, immediate jumping on each other, still trying to find out who who they can go and celebrate with. Families aren't on the ground yet. Girlfriends, wives aren't on the ground. Boyfriends aren't on the ground. They're not there yet, right? And so this immediate excitement is still happening. And the broadcasters are annoying the shit out of Nathan Cleary and trying to get an interview with him Hmm. instead of letting him enjoy that moment. Hey, broadcasters, he'll be there in three minutes' time. He ain't going anywhere. But they want to show you that. But no, yeah, it's not no, the right no, way to do it. No, we don't need the interview. What we need is the raw emotion of that moment. The pictures. So stand clear, broadcasters. Let the players give you the best pictures that you'll ever get. Well, being at the ga- the AFL Hang game, on. I didn't see. Did, yeah. w- did the AFL? I didn't have- look closely, but I want to say this. I'm not being biased against the NRL or the NRL broadcasters because they're Channel 9. You're barracking for AFL. We do the th- same thing at, 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 with Channel 7. I've, I've mentioned this to my bosses on occasion um, that I think we could probably let it breathe just a little bit and allow players to, especially on the big moments, if it's not a huge game or whatever. But, you know, let's say someone's kicked the goal to win the game in round 10. Someone's kicked the goal after the siren to win the game. Let them enjoy that moment. And I just thought that at the NRL, that was the best example of what I'm talking about. Um, you know, I think the pitches are much more fun without an interviewer stepping in and trying to get an interview with someone when this raw, immediate emotion is happening in the seconds after the siren. Yep. Got the point? I do. While you've still got your glass half full um, or half empty, what's um, the biggest issue for the game going forward? The AFL game. Concussion. Because it reaches so many different areas. So many. So the leg, the legalities of the concussion forward. So, you know, it's going to be. Some lawsuits. There's going to be some lawsuits. It's going to cost the game a fortune. You know what it could do? It could break the game. It could bankrupt the game so big that this will be. I don't think I, that would happen. I know there's been a fighting fund that's been going for years now that the AFL are contributing money to, to number one, fight it legally, and number two, for any payouts that may come after that. I think um, I think how it affects our game, how it affects the game, how concussion affects the game by the rulings they've got to make every year, can't bump, can't do this, can't do that. Um, you know, I think it affects the game from a club doctor medico point of view. You know, do they take Nathan Murphy off and leave him off for the grand final? Do they put him back on? By the way, great decision by the club doctors. Brave decision. 
great decision not to allow him back on the ground. I commend them on that. Uh, you know, that's going to cause trouble going forward in big games in the future. So there are so many different elements to this concussion. And I think the biggest element of them all is that, n- including the medicals, medicos, we don't know. We actually don't know yet. There's not enough scientific research done on it, um, how it affects people fully and why it affects people. So it's the biggest... It's the biggest thing going forward in the game. Yep. We are just chatting before about um, the match review, the MRO revenue. $203,000 in 2023 from MRO fines. Yeah, and Sam the from Producer, where, we, where we're recording this podcast, he made a great suggestion around where that revenue should go. What, yep. what do you think of what his Well, I think were? the revenue, uh, I stand to be corrected, I'm sure it goes back into control of that revenue at the AFL and they just spend it on whatever they need to yeah. spend it on. Have you got a better idea? Well, no, he, a- he said that they should potentially could go to the um, the affected people of those. Um, oh, so issues. the people that have, have injuries origin. from it, yeah. yeah. Well, that 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 would be fantastic. Hard, I but- think those those people already get um, with their um, health insurance, their private health insurance, yeah. are already just about fully covered. But there will be a gap. So yes, that would be. Yeah. Fantastic, the, the, and the certainly AFLPA also have a re- retired players fund as well, like an yes, injury hardship do. fund and injury yeah. fund. Tim yeah. Harrington, uh, former Collingwood North Melbourne player, leads that uh, that side of things. There, I was speaking to him about it at the Brownlow actually, and uh, they are well looked after past players. There's no doubt about that. Yes, but it could go into medical, it could go into concussion, it could go into research of medical issues yeah. along the way as well. Imagine contributing two hundred and three thousand dollars to the concussion medical cause. I know the AFL already chipping in a lot of money, but yeah, yep. I, I think it could could help yep. big time. Sorry to double back, but, but just um, on what happened after the game in terms of, you know, you're fairly involved in Collingwood from a, you know, you help with their functions and stuff, well, and you're I, involved I, with their media team. Yeah. What, what, what happened afterwards? Yeah. Uh, after the game, um, uh, basically left the MCG at six o'clock. I finished on air. As soon as the siren went, really, that was the end of me. Yep. I was done. Uh, others kept working, but um, I, I was I was. Um, you went to AIA I, Center. Yes, I was honoured enough to be able to go to the centre um, and present the players to the crowd. So there were, I think, there were about fifteen or twenty thousand people that watched the game from the AIA Oval there. Yeah, which um, is where they train. Which is where they train. Just across the road. And they're watching on big screens. That was really well set up by Collingwood. So had the fortunate opportunity to go back and introduce the players mm. to that audience on the balcony there. And it all seemed very well organised. Extremely of, well organised. You, know, you don't know what the result's going to be, but you just plan for the... No, that's what I said yeah. to the guy um, uh, organising, one of the bosses there at Collingwood, I think he's Ian Patterson. I said, you know, how do you plan for something you don't know is even going to happen? Because if you lose, for instance, they had, I think, two or $3 million worth of merchandise ready to sell. But you're only going to sell eight-tenths of that if you win. If you lose, you're probably selling two-tenths or one-tenth. So, you know, this is a huge risk Mm. for these clubs um, on this particular day. So there was a lot of that going on. Then from there I went across to the centrepiece, which is in between Rod Laver and John Kane Arena, a new event centre over there, and I was fortunate enough to be able to – to. 
to MC their. Um, how exhausted were the, you at this stage? Their dinner. <laughs> were you I'm exhausted. Asleep at the podium. I'm exhausted at this and stage. And everyone's is extremely exciting. Yeah. Had one of the, everyone's had a big day, yeah. but you're probably done with talking. Yeah. And you're presenting the players for the second time. Yeah. And as you say, because you don't know whether you're winning or losing, all of a sudden it's made up on the spot. It's not something yeah. that's really planned. Well, who do we who do we interview? Um, well, how do we get the players out? Do we bring them out individually or do we bring them out as a group? Yeah. Do we bring the players that didn't play out? Do they? Does it, so there's all these sort of conversations going on. Jeff Brown, the president, is there. He uh, he wants to uh, – he, he gets up on stage. Uh, he never wants to be the centre of attention, Jeff Brown. He, he really didn't want it, but he knew as president, as the figurehead of the club – that either he or Craig Kelly or someone had to get up and mm. uh, and speak to the crowd there because this was in this room the six or seven hundred people that were there are the people that are closest to the Collingwood Football Club in terms of admin families players sponsors yeah. past players yeah. it's that group there so they're really really close to this so that's who they're presenting to and it's the one and only time in the grand final celebration week that the players get to be with their families over dinner and discuss what's happening. So it's that sort of environment. And there's past players. and Past players. Yeah. And, and, and so we introduce the players up. Uh, Jeff Brown says a few words. Um, Craig McRae says a few words. Um, immediately into Daryl Braithwaite and his band. Yeah. Um, horses, the longest rendition of horses I can ever. It went for fuck. It went for 15 minutes. Yep. And, then, and then not only did he have a go, he said, oh, we should invite someone else up on the day. Darcy Cameron comes from the, sprinting from the other yeah. side of the room and yeah. he's up there with speed dealer sunglasses on, yeah. singing horses. Yeah. And then and, Jamie Alex is on someone's shoulders. It was. And what they do is they don't pause horses to get the 15 minutes. They keep the tune beating yeah. underneath so the crowd's yeah. still on the dance floor. It's packed at this stage and all the players are up dancing at this stage. I saw uh, Darcy Cameron on top of someone's shoulders, if yeah. that's possible, and that's why he got picked out to sing the song. And um, Daryl Braithwaite is just looking for anyone, particularly players, to come up. And he he got his uh, like, got his victim cool to come moment. up. Uh, he was looking for one of the wives or girlfriends to come up as well, but he couldn't he couldn't entice. But it went for fifteen minutes. Horses, I was I was surprised. Yeah. And then, of course, after that, into a DJ and the the players from there from that function then went downstairs. Where I mentioned the did I mention the limos and stuff? No. So they were organised. So this is how well it was organised for them, knowing that players can get lost and 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 miss out where the group's going. The club organised six stretch limos for them, twelve security guards for them, and they were to use those vehicles and be with those security people until nine o'clock the next morning when they met at Craig Kelly's place for breakfast, the so CEO. So they want to go somewhere. So they want to go somewhere. The car's there for them. The security guys are there to go it's with them incredible. to make sure they don't get into trouble. Uh, I, I believe they went to the Osborne, Simon Lennox's place in uh, in uh, in uh, Paran there. Yeah. And um, and so those cars would have all pulled up that front. They would have waited to take them home or to wherever they were going in the morning. Um, so that's outstanding organisation. This whole thing that Collingwood organised for the players went absolutely like clockwork. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, and so there's anything else from from those moments, or um, not really, not that been, I can remember, no. unless you've got something in mind. Uh, they, so they had to meet. I know they had a twelve o'clock deadline the next day on Sunday to be at the um, AIA Centre again. again. Do you reckon most F of them went through without? 
sleeping. I reckon a lot of them would have. I reckon probably the fam- the people with fa- the two with families, probably Jeremy Howe and Scott Penelope were probably the only ones that yeah, went home. <laughs> yeah, Scott Penelope went home because he was first there the next day yeah. uh, with his family. And uh, so then they're given a bit of a lunch as they arrive. You know, uh, in the in the in the new centre they've got there, a, a, Bef- a wrap with carrot, mushroom, and yeah, that's all I had. A bit of watermelon <laughs> with a odd seed in it. Um, so then they're they're there because they're, they're, now they're being presented to 30,000 30, people yeah. on the oval, which is a massive moment for them. I would say, as a player, this is the other than the actual being on the ground and getting the Premiership Cup. This is the best post-match crescendo mm. that they're going to find. Yeah. 30,000 people, I get the opportunity to introduce them one at a time to this adoring audience and they bring out the Premiership Cup to what has been a considered project all year and that is what they're calling the 19th man. Yeah. Congratulations to Collingwood. I think they're the first club to engage their members and supporters in a personal way. Yeah. And actually Craig McRae, nearly on every win this year, has gone out of his way to say it was the 19th man that got us yeah. across the line today. It was the Optus Stadium in Perth. It was the 19th man that they got always, us across. He always talked about bringing the fans along along on the journey. This was a year. deliberate a deliberate thing by Craig Kelly and Jeff Brown and Craig McRae to engage the fans like they've never been engaged before, mm. and it has worked big and time. What one other thing you you were talking before, and you're admiring the strength of a particular individual from the Collingwood Football Club that yep. we can't reveal too much on, but you wanted to. Yeah, I'm I'm always amazed at stories um, grand final time that come out. Some some come out pre, some come out during, and some come out post. And there are going to be some stories that we haven't heard about yet that you'll hear about, and you'll think. You just think to yourself, what courage, mm. what great courage. Anyway, that's all I want to say. So what next? What next for you personally? Uh, I'm going home. I'm going home soon. I haven't been home for about 10 days. So that's a lawn, that is. I'm going home to see the animals. Uh, what are the cat's names? Uh, well, there's Tinkerbell. T- no. Yeah, Tinkerbell, the bedwetter. Yeah. yeah, and what's the other cat's name? Well, I call it Tiger, but... My yep. wife calls it something else. What's it called? A turtle. Turtle. I yep. call it Tiger. Hansel the dog. Hansel the dog. Going home yep. to see them and then uh, got uh, a few things going on during the week, like got to get a couple more fires going before the bushfire um, prevention. As yep. you said, it's drying, drying out pretty out. quickly. Might, might even be too late to burn now given Do you go week. away? Do you, what, you've now got six months off, I assume? Or yep, what we're do going you away. Do? You know that. We're going away as a family and we're going away with a few other families and we're going up to the tropics and yep. we're going to uh, sit on an island up there somewhere, yeah, and we're going to drink and eat our asses off. Does that mean this podcast stops, or what? What are we doing? Uh, we're going to delay this podcast for a week or so, yeah, and then we'll come back and see you. Uh, not, we'll come back and see you this year. We'll be back yeah. very shortly, yeah, um, and uh, we're going to continue this podcast for as long as people want to consume it. Awesome. Sounds good to me. Well, once again, we're brought to you by Grimley's. Go to grimleys.com.au for delivery you can count on. And why? Why, as part of the family that you are, you're one of the sons. Am I? Do you f- refuse to let any of your other brothers come on? Why haven't we heard from we any had, of your other brothers? Like we the had sesh. Pipsqueak on. You know, Pipsqueak uh, could have come on and talked about the sesh. Yeah, we'll, we'll do the sesh, the garage sesh. 
because I believe the Cess was yeah, on again on the we'll weekend. Probably get Jordan, who will be back from Europe after a four month. That's what I'm going to do. This uh, is the black sheep of the family. A, His name is Jordan, a European correspondent. He's thirty, which I'm told is five years too old to be over there gallivanting in Europe, trying to yep. uh, see what he can tune. Um, and he should be at home working and marrying someone and having a family. That's my look at it. He beats the. He. he I don't know. He beats, beats to his own drum. That's the one. Yeah. See you later. <laughs> See ya.